welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Pain Train Pipe Bomb Productions. My name is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. The Bear of Texas, and ladies and gentlemen, I am here to recap All Elite Wrestling Full Gear because, ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to say that I had the major blessing from the Lord Almighty Himself, God, to have the opportunity to watch the show. And ladies and gentlemen, I should make it interesting that I watched the show at the movies, okay? Now, going to the movies is something I actually do rarely nowadays. It kind of seems that when the pandemic started, it felt like going to the movies was something that, you know, was kind of long dead. Like, when I went to the movies to see the James Bond film in last year, it felt like it had been an entire decade since I've set foot in the movies. So the experience kind of got back to me. And this was not the first time I went to the movies to watch an AEW pay-per-view. The last time I had done that was the same night that Brian Danielson and Adam Cole had both debuted for All Elite Wrestling. So, Now the ticket I felt was a little bit overpriced, but the, the truth of the matter is I, I kind of felt like, you know what, I want to go watch the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that don't listen to my other show, uh, my Dallas Cowboys podcast called Cowboys Talk... I recently revealed that I have been actually job hunting for a part-time job. And and while I assured everybody on social media that even if I work part-time, it is not going to disrupt anything with these shows whatsoever, including Ringside Chaos. I am a man of my word. I promise to you, even if I work uh, work part-time, I assure you that the show will not be disrupted. Ringside Chaos, along with all my other shows, will continue to re- operate as Normal. I will still be here to talk about professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I promise you there is absolutely nothing to worry about. Anyway, that being said, although I should remind you in this episode, uh, right now I am still extremely, extremely ill. I have been dealing with a huge case of allergies for the past three days. Thankfully, when I tested, it ended up being negative. I just have allergies, so thank God. But... Honestly, earlier as I was recapping uh, a Cowboys game from my other show, I, I, I coughed a little bit of excessively. So if I cough a lot or sneeze too many times, guys, I deeply apologize. But I always say to myself, illness or not, I need to come here. The show needs to go on because there is a lot of important talking points and some very important content that needs to be put out. Now, I regret to inform you, I was supposed to do this episode with my good buddy, Mr. David LaFon, but unfortunately, he's ill as well. I tried, I, I spoke to several other people, but nobody was able to come on the show, so I said to myself, well, you know what? I'm going to have to be the lone wolf today. I'm going to go ahead and fly solo, but you know what? That's okay, so here I am. AEW Full Gear. Well, for those of you that watched it, the show certainly goes uh, for itself. The results all speak for themselves, and uh, our thoughts uh, as far as how the show went, the ratings, how the matches went, how the outcomes, everything. All of us unique and well-educated pro wrestling fans, we all have our own little say, okay? In my case, I did, in fact, thoroughly enjoy the show. Uh, it was uh, The wrestling card itself was exciting. The pre-show, believe it or not, I was, I, was actually, I was actually pretty excited about that. And honestly, in my case, it's not quite often that I'm actually excited about a pre-show in a professional wrestling uh, pay-per-view. But in this case, I was. Um, but honestly, the card itself, you know, it speaks to itself. But I think, you know, the biggest story is heavily debated, you know. Some of us say the biggest story was, is, you know... Um, Soraya, who recently announced that she's finally medically cleared to compete, and she wrestled her first match in over five years against uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. 
So Soraya, you know, announcing that she was medically cleared and wrestling her first match in this pay-per-view was the big story. Others say, of course, uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman challenging John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. As we know, this was MJF's casino ladder poker chip cash-in match, and we all know the outcome out of that, and we'll get to that in a little bit, so... You know, of course, you know, the story between Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Luchasaurus, you know, the, like I said, the whole pay-per-view speaks for itself. I mean, the Elite making their return was definitely exciting, you know. They unsuccessfully challenged Death Triangle for the um, AEW World Trios Championship. And uh, speaking of that, there's, there's been a heavy, uh, huge announcement without rivalry goes moving forward, and we'll get to that. And, you know, and speaking of that, you know, during the match, apparently there were chants, um, and the crowd during during the match between the the elite uh, and uh, death and the death triangle. So you know, of course, you know, if, if for those of you that know, you know, the, the chants were FCM Punk, FCM Punk, and then there was some chants, you know, for Colt Cabana. And there's a story right here saying that you know, Colt Cabana actually gave a response. You know, I actually <laughs> haven't had that, uh, I hadn't looked at it until just now, and uh, honestly. <laughs> Cole Cabana responded on Twitter saying, and I quote, I was chanting for the elite, unquote. So, you know, of course, you know, the elite, you know, came back since they were suspended back in September. We still haven't seen CM Punk, although we've heard a lot of rumors that, you know, he could be on his way out or that he is officially done. You know, you know and everybody, a lot of people have wondered why I have not talked about this on the show. I'm like, look, these rumors regarding CM Punk, I'm not going to play around with that. I'm not even going to say anything until we have confirmation, Okay. Some rumors say that CM Punk is on his way out. Some already insist that he's already done. You know, this is a cat and mouse game. We just run into one dead end and right into another. Like, we're not getting anywhere. This whole thing with CM Punk has not really gotten anywhere. And until there's anything official, then, you know, I'm not going to bother. That's all I can honestly say about it, okay? So, so, I mean, it's, uh, again, I mean, the whole thing with CM Punk, again, it, it's huge within itself, but until there's anything official, there's really, it, I, I can't say it's not much to go on, because quite frankly, the truth of the matter is, it's absolutely nothing to go on, so, so that's that. So the, pre, uh, the pre-show, you know, the, there was that, the 10-man uh, tag match between Dan Housen and the best friends against the factory, you know, as, as we know, is led by QT Marshall. Uh, the, ending, the ending of the match uh, certainly w- was surprising, but I did thoroughly enjoy that match. Um, Ricky Starks versus Brian Cage, and the winner advances to the semifinals for the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament. Ricky Starks defeated Brian Cage, and he's set to face Ethan Page, which I believe will be... Uh, this week, I, I think it's, it might be on Rampage or on Dynamite. I'm not entirely sure. But the main event of the pre-show, Eddie Kingston versus June Akiyama. You know, when Eddie Kingston, you know, gave that pre-match interview, man. You know, Eddie Kingston, to me, is a huge influence. Because Eddie Kingston and I, we have so much in common. I mean, Eddie Kingston, you know, has his struggles with mental health just like I do. He has worked so hard. Busted his ass for so long, for 18 years on the independent circuit until he was finally signed by All Elite Wrestling. Here I am, I've been busting my butt so much for the past 7-8 years or so. I am 29 years old, I'm about to turn 30. Still been working on my big break in journalism, you know, running 5 shows, writing for a certain website, and I've bounced back and forth between many websites for so long. You know, and, you know, and the mentally, it has killed me, it has gotten to me, affected me so much emotionally, you know, and, and I've been trying to get through it, you know, with all my all my friends out there to support me, you know, and Eddie Kingston, you know, his struggles as well, I mean, Eddie Kingston have, and I have so much in common, and and ladies and gentlemen, I, I gotta tell you, like, every day, I've, I've somehow been praying that I can one day, honestly, be, I want to be in, const, in contact with Eddie Kingston, I want to... I want to get to know the guy. I really, I would love to have him on this show. He's welcome to even either uh, my other shows. I mean, he's from New York. He's a Giants fan. So if Eddie Kingston ever wants to come on my Dallas Cowboys show and trash talk the Dallas Cowboys, I'll be honest. He's more than welcome to. But Eddie Kingston is very underrated. Great worker. Absolutely legend and gold on that mic. You know. Eddie Kingston, when I you know, getting to learn about him, watch a lot of the stuff he did on the indies and throughout of his career, I literally spent hours on YouTube watching all of his promos and all the things he's done. I mean, 
I did my homework on Eddie Kingston, and and that's the way I, I can appreciate things. That it's not just so much that we both have our issues with mental health, but seeing how he worked so hard for so long to finally make it in the big leagues with all elite wrestling. Eddie Kingston is basically the perfect example. If you you keep at it, you never give up. One day, one way or the other, your dreams will come true. So in that story, you know, with June uh, Akiyama and seeing how that match that match went, you know, ten and a half minutes, you know, you know, June Akiyama, you know, that style, the Japanese style, and Eddie Kingston, you know, basically said that June Akiyama was his, is his inspiration, and you know, of course, June Akiyama. Is you know wrestles for DDT Pro Wrestling, you know which is a uh, a, a Japanese wrestling promotion. You know Akiyama, you know quite a history. You know he's worked for so long for All Japan Pro Wrestling. He was actually the president, representative director, and co-head booker for All Japan Pro Wrestling as well as a, as a wrestler. So wow, he really is a, indeed a, a, a Japanese legend. Huh. A three-time winner of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Tag Team of the Year award. You know, a very serious entering style. I mean, wow. I mean, th- this dude really is uh, an inspiration to a, lo- a lot of wrestlers. So, you know, in Eddie Kingston's case, I'm very happy to see that he was able to work with somebody that he idolizes and deeply respects. Somebody that inspired him to pursue a, a career in professional wrestling. You know, as we know, Eddie Kingston has told the story, professional wrestling has saved the guy's life. He was able to work with somebody that, you know, again, that he looked up to. And that particular individual put Eddie Kingston over. I mean, the match was great, and the way Eddie Kingston won was absolutely amazing. You saw the match. I mean, you saw the physicality. You saw the true nature and art of that match. And Eddie Kingston coming out on top and seeing the respect between the two after after the match, you know, shaking hands, greeting each other with a great amount of respect, that massive golden promo that Eddie Kingston cut, and the way he, the way he ended that promo, he... <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, man. I'm, I'm telling you, all y'all need to go check it out. I mean, I, I could tell you everything about that promo, but I strongly encourage y'all that y'all need to go check it out. And I know I've, I've spent a little bit of too much time talking about Eddie Kingston and praising him for uh, us being, you know, uh, being very alike and having so much in common. But that match between Eddie Kingston and Jun Akiyama, man, that was incredible. So the pre-show itself was it was unique, and you know. The fact that the pay-per-view, the event started off with its, in the steel cage match between Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Luchasaurus. You know, starting off with a steel cage match, hey, why not? I mean, the the card was stacked. Every match had great potential moving forward, okay? Now, the whole rivalry between Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and Luchasaurus, you know, of course, you know, the Jurassic Express. Oh, boy. You know, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, this dude, much like Eddie Kingston, severely criminally underrated is Jack Perry. And the match between Luchasaurus, you know, and the whole rivalry, you know, involving Christian Cage, you know, I feel like it had to come down boiling to this. You know, it had to be settled once and for all in a a steel cage. And man, did we see a battle. You know, the fact that I like how the only way to win is by pinfall or submission. You know, and the way uh, Christian Cage got involved in the match, this this was actually hilarious. And if you saw this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When he stole the key from one of the referees outside who locked the cage, the referee doesn't even notice until he sees Christian Cage at the door opening it, okay? And then the battle embroils outside, okay? Then Christian Cage, all these referees show up and, you know, drag Christian Cage backstage as he's been ejected. And then Luchasaurus starts bringing in weapons like a table and some chairs and everything into the cage. So I like that. You know, the, the whole still cage match becomes no holds barred or extreme rules. Straight fight, whatever you want to call it. Damn allergies. I apologize. You know, the, the match really intensified, you know, and you know, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, you know, even getting uh, getting color in the match. And for those of you that don't know, getting color is is a reference to what, what, what a wrestler bleeds during the match. So, so the match within itself was absolutely amazing. And the finish, you know, that flying elbow on Jack Perry on Luchasaurus was laying on a table. That I thought was pretty cool. And then the match ending ending in a submission. You know, so, you know even some of the wrestling fans, I know we kind of got into a debate. Like they felt the match would have ended by a pinfall. Or some said, no, it's good that it, that it ended in a submission. You know, some some of these guys, honestly, believe it or not, 
thought that the match could have, you know, at least ended in a no contest. But, you know, at the end of the day, for me, I'm glad that I'm glad Jack Perry, you know, went over in the match. You know, I mean, after the match, the reaction that he got and everything, I mean, yeah, the, the, the fans were totally fully invested in the guy. And, you know, moving forward, I don't know what this means for Luchasaurus. I don't know what this means for Jack Perry. You know, honestly, who knows? I mean, if, if the rivalry truly is over, I mean, how many times have we been in a situation to where we think the rivalry has been settled once and for all with a particular match? But then little we know, like a week or so later, or even less than that, we we probably realize or we learned that we've seen nothing yet. Like those guys were only just getting started. So, so who, who knows? But, <sighs> but as far as Jungle Boy Jack Perry goes, you know, he, he, he's been with the, the company since the beginning, you know, three years and... You know, now that he's finally, you know, the fact that he, you know, he won the match. And this was the same arena where he and Luchasaurus became the AEW World Tag Team Champions. So, so it's good that, you know, goes for that. He was the match. So, you know, it all makes sense, you know, at this point. So, <coughs> excuse me, but, you know, for this point, you know, <coughs> it kind of makes us really miss uh, the days of uh, the Jurassic, <coughs> excuse me, the Jurassic Express. But moving on, Death Triangle versus the Elite. Oh, the elite made that entrance. Oh boy, now that was that was cool, wasn't it? But, you know, I told myself this. So the elite, I mean, the young box and the you know Kenny Omega really really acting like baby faces. So you know, I said to myself this, like you know, with that triangle, you know, being heels, uh, uh, suppose I, I suppose, you know, at least well, we know we all know that Pack, the bastard Pack, and yeah, <laughs> he's a uh, you know he's been healed for uh, you know a while now. I think I think ever since he came back to AEW, uh, he's actually been a heel. You know, Penta Alzero Miedo and Ray Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers. You know, there was a point of the match. You know, you know how Pac you know, always has that weapon that he carries, and he told you know Ray Phoenix to use it, and Phoenix you know, refused. But at the end of the match, kind of told a different story. I'll tell you, this match was just what a brilliant thriller. I mean, the Elite versus Death Triangle. I mean. These kinds of six-man tag team match for the AEW World Trios Championship. I mean, the, the way the match went, I mean, this is something I would expect when you see the likes of, you know, three brilliant stables like the Elite and, and Death Triangle working brilliant matches. And as we know, you know, the Lucha Brothers, El Penta El Ciero Miedo and Ray Phoenix and the, and the Young Bucks, who'll never forget that pay-per-view. And that's, what, that's the pay-per-view where I was previously when I also saw it. That steel cage match where the Lucha Brothers defeated the Young Bucks in that steel cage. So this time I kind of find it amazing, you know, you, you see them battling out again in such a prolific, high, high uh, caliber match. But, you know, as you know, at the end when Kenny Omega had Ray Phoenix in position for the one-winged angel, and Ray Phoenix actually uses that weapon and then rolls over Kenny Omega for the, for the pin. Oh, boy. You know, the way the match ended, you know, just just had me so mesmerized. And this is the element of surprise. I mean, this is how professional wrestling really gets to us wrestling fans. Like, when a finish goes in a certain way that there was a time in the match where we saw we, we thought that this would not happen. Because, again, Ray Phoenix refusing to use the weapon and, you know, wanting to get get it done, you know, correctly. But then he uses, the, the, uses it at the end to get the win. Oh, boy. But the reaction for Ray Phoenix at the end, you know, it, it still kind of told something. So I don't know what, what's going on, you know, moving forward with, with that triangle. But, but, uh, but the match itself, man, you know, all the close calls, all the near falls, man. I'm telling you, these kinds of matches, these six-man tag team matches, when I call them thrillers, even thrillers are major understatements, ladies and gentlemen. But... The elite came up short, but at the end of the at the end of the day, I'm glad to see the elite back. And you know, we still know a word on CM Punk, but all the all these fans I was with, you know, talking how you know, you know, if we all know if it's still a work or if it's you know, whatever. But but it was announced that a best of seven series between Death Triangle and the Elite is starting. Okay, man, see that right there. You know, and immediately too, it was announced, and you know, AEW's next uh, pay per view is actually going to be uh, Revolution, which takes place in March of next year at the Chase Center in San Francisco. So, uh, so now I'm kind of asking myself, I wonder, uh, I wonder if if, if the uh, the best of seven actually ends there. So, I would have said it. It would it would definitely make. Uh, 
it would definitely make sense. And I'm actually trying to find out right now, you know, like that, you know. But you know, the death, of, the best of seven series. A lot, some fans I was with, they weren't really fond of it. Okay, I have it right here. Yeah. Okay. Nope. The first. Okay. So match one, which was you know this was this was match one. Okay. So Death Triangle already has a one nothing lead. Match two is actually going to be on the twenty third this week in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Uh, one of the matches, match four, is going to be December next. It's going to be next month. It's going to be in Garland, but unfortunately, I won't be there. Match five, like I say, if necessary, because again, this is a best of seven series. So, yeah, the World Series, the NBA Finals, but the final, but the final, if necessary, match seven could be January eleventh in Los Angeles, California, on AEW Dynamite. So, yeah, so this could go from uh, this could go all the way up to January. So. Anyway, yeah. Okay, but you know, as far as you know, the concept for the best of seven series, I'm all for it. You know, but now I think now that I kind of look at it, you know, if it ended at uh, at the AEW Revolution, which again is not until March, maybe it would, it would take too long. But uh, you know, but but we'll see. But moving forward with the whole Death Triangle and the Elite, you know, the Elite, the Elite are they're, they're down one nothings, and this was match one of the best of seven series, so. Oh boy, this is get this is definitely getting exciting. And honestly, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a prediction right now. This is coming down to seven. This this is coming down to a match seven. Believe me. So the next match was Jade Cargill versus Nyla Rose. I really honestly have nothing much to say about this. You know, this whole this all started when uh, Nyla Rose attacked Jade, stole the title, and you know was, was claiming herself to be the TBS champion. Now I said to myself this, you know, I, I said to myself, huh. So in this, Jade Cargill is turns into a babyface, but I don't think anything's been official about this yet. So the status of Jade Cargill, as far as I'm concerned, I think she's still a heel. But you know, in my case, I'm just glad to see Nyla Rose, you know, be in a storyline. It's probably not the best storyline, but again, Nyla Rose, she's been with AEW since the beginning. So I'm just glad to see Nyla Rose, and I and I hope that that AEW management and booking. You know, continues to have uh, continues to use Nyla Rose, you know, accordingly because Nyla Rose is an absolutely amazing talent. I mean, Nyla Rose, like I said, been there since the beginning. Nyla, Nyla Rose, a former AEW Women's Champion. Okay, Nyla Rose deserves respect, and she, and AEW fans admire her and they appreciate her. So I strongly recommend AEW management to keep using Nyla Rose in, in storylines and hopefully in good ones too. But as I said, as far as this match, I mean, nothing, nothing much to say. I'm not surprised Jade Cargill won. I mean, she's undefeated. I think now 42 and 0. It, I mean, it. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it, it probably wouldn't make sense if she had lost. But I really, that's all I really have to say. But as far as uh, Jade Cargill being a baby, being a face now, I still don't think so. But that's really all I have to say about it. But. Now the next one, the fatal the four way match. You know I like this one better. The four way match with the four corners match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Chris Jericho versus Sammy Guevara versus Claudio Castagnoli versus Brian Danielson. Now the whole story with Chris Jericho being the Ring of Honor World Champion, the the Ocho, and which I love the, the you know, he goes from Le Champion now he's the Ocho. That I think is absolutely amazing, and how Chris Jericho says he's gonna. Des- desecrate and destroy the true unique legacy of of the original Ring of Honor, you know, like that. So Chris Jericho being you know the high profile main event villain that he that he's always been very good at being, you know, of course you know the Jer- the Chris Jericho the Jericho Appreciation Society Sammy Guevara is a part of it, you know, of course Sammy Guevara said that you know he was going to do everything it took to make sure that the title stayed within the society. So I like how you see the you know two of the originals from Ring of Honor, Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, and Claudio Castagnoli, you know being being part of the story. So you know, and you know, seeing I'll say even Sammy Guevara at one point was so close to winning the title. <laughs> you you, you kind of told yourself this. I mean, Sammy Sammy Guevara, you know, one way or the other, Sammy Guevara is definitely going to be in the in the world title picture, whether it's the Ring of Honor title or the AW World Title, but. You know, honestly, I I knew that Chris Jericho was gonna win, and the 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 finish of the match, I, I honestly, I'll be honest, I kind of liked it, but but I'm telling you, the, the match within itself, I mean, I'm telling you, the four way match was so amazing. I mean, I, I felt like you no, know, this is this is right there, this is the main event. If you ask me, 
The four-way match truly, to me, struck me as the true main event of the show. Okay, and I don't mean any disrespect to, any, to anybody else. I'm telling you, the the four-way match. You know, we talk about a thriller from uh, from the the one with the, the six-man uh, tag match for the AEW World Trios Championship. I mean, the four-way match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Now that was something very, very unique. Okay, I mean the Ultra. Chris Jericho, you know, you know, climbing out on top, you know, emerging victorious again. I saw it coming, you know. Ring of Honor actually has a final battle, you know, the final battle, which is the traditional Ring of Honor main event. It's actually, um, you know, if if I, you know, I was actually doing a little bit of research that, uh, you know, Ring of Honor is actually it's it's considered Ring of Honor's premier flagship event, the final battle uh, in pay per view. I think it's drawn a lot of similarities and it's drawn some huge comparisons to WWE's WrestleMania. You know, a lot of Ring of Honor fans w- can probably honestly say that final battle is the ring is the WrestleMania of Ring of Honor, but in final battle is actually set to take place. <coughs> excuse me, next month at the College Park Center in Arlington, Texas, which is at the University of Texas in Arlington. Now I won't be there, but it's you know it's okay. I mean, it's unfortunate, but you know a lot of things happening right now, so I, I don't have the time to make it. But you know, it's, but it's interesting that the event is going to be held on the same day as WWE's NXT Deadline and, and UFC 282. So, so I'd imagine Chris Jericho's Chris Jericho being the Ring of Honor World Champion, he's definitely going to work that event. I mean, it, it would not make sense. To not have the Ring of Honor, to have a Ring of Honor World Title match at the final battle again, the fact that Ring of Honor's uh, final battle is considered to be the Ring of Honor WrestleMania, it would make no sense whatsoever for the Ring of Honor World Title to not be uh, put on the line during during that show. So, so, so having said that, it it makes it, it basically it, it's no surprise that Chris Jericho was not it, it didn't drop the belt. But then again, either way, he wasn't gonna. There was no way he was gonna drop the belt at full gear. So, moving forward, right now, I I do expect Jericho. I mean, obviously, it's it's pretty much at this point. We all know it's it's, it's very likely to happen. Jericho is gonna work, you know, at the final battle because again, it may, it would not make sense for the Ring of Honor World Title not to be featured in the event. But I think moving uh, moving forward, I'm not sure. You know what, what goes on. You know. If Claudio and the Dragon are still going to be in, in, in the Ring of Honor World Title picture, somehow part of me believes that it's still not over between between those two, you know, and Chris Jericho for the Ring of Honor World Title. So, but the match within itself was, you know, amazing. You know, seeing the footage, you know, when, when Brian Danielson, you know, won the the championship, you know, back in his back in the in the day of Ring of Honor in the, in the early to mid two thousands. You know, seeing a very very young Brian Danielson and seeing where he is now in his career. And you know, of course, we're reminded of that that eye retina injury he suffered at Ring of Honor. Man, I mean that. I mean Daniel Bryan has has had beyond his fair share of injuries. You know, in professional wrestling, you know, from the neck injury, the concussions, everything. I mean, Brian Danielson has done basically everything there is to do in professional wrestling. I mean, Brian Danielson is a, a legend in Ring of Honor. Legend in WWE. I mean, the the dude's a legend in Japan. Brian Danielson is a god in the world of professional wrestling, if you ask me. But, but you know what I would love to see? Could you imagine if we could have Chris Jericho versus Danielson versus Castagnoli in a triple threat match at the final battle? You know, that would be cool. And I and, and I would wonder if uh, if by then Chris Jericho drops the belt. I mean, I think it would make sense. Like, it w- it would make sense. Imagine he drops the bell to a, to one of the Ring of Honor originals at the final battle. Again, considering that ba- final battle is uh, the WrestleMania for Ring of Honor, it would make sense then. But uh, you know, what do I know? And uh, you know, anything could happen. But I think at this point, it's clear that that it's it's very likely. It's common sense, and it's a no brainer that the Ring of Honor World Title. A match is to be featured on, on that line because again, it would not make sense from a fan perspective and most importantly from a business perspective. So, but four way match, amazing, loved it. So many moments, but the match, you know, you, you take them all in as a whole, you explain how the match went. And for everybody that watched, you know that it was a true, unique, dynamic main event caliber match. Speaking of main event caliber, Soraya versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. 
I will not ever forget at the beginning when Soraya taking that hit and and just literally pulling a little ruse on all the fans. You know, her brother Zach Zodiac was actually in the fan was actually in the front row, so it was good to see him. You know, out there, you know, supporting his sister. But well, the match I think was great. You know, it was definitely a great battle, a great story. The finish of the match, that's where I, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't think the match ended correctly because Soraya won by pinfall. And I honestly, I really be believe that the best way to do it was for Soraya to win. Okay, first of all, we all knew that Soraya was going to win. We all had that feeling. I mean, it, 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 would it make sense? She announces that for the that she's been medically cleared to wrestle for the first time since 2017, and then she's going to lose the match. I mean, yeah, but the fact that she won by pinfall, that's the shocking part to me because I felt certain that she would win by submission, but. You know, but but it, it didn't happen that way. But I'm not I'm not gonna call the match a complete disaster because it wasn't. Now, again, the ending just kind of like the way it ended, you know, like that. It was definitely not the best ending. But you know, and, and I don't mean to rip rip anybody or to sound sound like a complete a hole, but it's just in my honest opinion. I truly believe in my heart that the match between Soraya and Doctor Britt Baker DMD should have been you know by submission and. But honestly, the match within itself was great. You know, uh, I know watching throughout the match, you know, seeing, you know, me, me being given, you know, a great reminder just how amazing Paige, uh, I just called her Paige, how Soraya was amazing, you know, always been an amazing wrestler, been in the business for so long, born and raised in the pro wrestling business. I mean, Soraya... Looked absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I can honestly say she looked truly better than ever. I mean, where she is, you know, in her career and her life at this point, I mean, it's no surprise that she, you know, she that she's a better, you know, wrestler, you know, skill wise, you know, she's better than ever. So, welcome back, Soraya. It was a blessing. To, it's a blessing to see you in the ring again. What a hell of a match, you know, and you know, major props to both Soraya and Doctor Britt Baker DMD for one hell of a match. I mean, honestly. Can't, at this point, you know, you can't help but praise, you know, both individuals for making the match absolutely amazing. Now we get to the three-way match for the AEW TNT Championship. Samoa Joe versus Wardlow versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Well, well, well. I don't even know how I felt going in this match. Samoa Joe winning. And by technical submission, I mean, if you guys saw the end of the match, <laughs> I'd imagine that you, you guys must have been as surprised as I was, you know, based on how the match ended. I can't say the match ended in a bad way. It was very a surprising or a, rather a shocking way, but I can't say that it was bad. Now, recently, Samoa Joe did turn heel when he attacked Wardlow. You know, but seeing Samoa Joe versus Wardlow versus Powerhouse Hobbs, you know, three big, huge, muscular dudes... You know, with one, you know, one of them being you know, a Ring of Honor individual, and you know, you know that that reign when Samoa Joe was the Ring of Honor World Champion, the Impact World Champion, you know, that undefeated streak and Impact. Man, Samoa Joe's done so much. Samoa Joe, much like Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe is a god in the world of professional wrestling. So the way the match ended, so Powerhouse Hobbs gets. Powerbomb several times by Wardlow, and then all of a sudden, you know, Samojo comes in and then, then uh, locks in the Coquina Clutch on on a uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, and then you know after that the referee you know ends the match on a tech on a technical submission. So, but I'm telling you, the ending just out of nowhere, Samojo comes out and wins like that, and now Samojo is the AEW TNT champion and the and the Ring of Honor Television champion. Wow. Well, you know, I guess at the end of the day, that means we're going to be seeing Samoa Joe more often on AEW programming. So, so, but but I'm but I'm telling you, you know, seeing a uh, Wardlow drop the belt certainly never would have been expected. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I might I might sound wrong, sound wrong for saying this, but I really believe that Powerhouse Hobbs would actually be the one victorious in this match. I really felt that Powerhouse Hobbs would be the guy, but. 
you know, as we know, Wardlow won the title back in July on the on the uh, on Dynamite in Rochester, New York, when he beat Scorpio Sky in a street fight. You know, the, you know, Wardlow was coming off you know that story when he was you know no longer you know he had that storyline with MJF that he beats MJF. He's uh, he he's basically no longer under the employment of MJF for good. So. So, so moving forward, you know, now that Wardlow dropped the belt, I'm kind of asking myself, where does he, where does he go from here? You know, I'm not sure about the status of him with with the company right now, but but it's just that I'm telling you, you know, Wardlow dropping the belt, I never would have expected it. But again, you know, once again, Tony Khan catches me by surprise. I mean, you know, Tony Khan has really been, uh, he's really been full of surprises uh, as of late, hasn't he? I mean, you know, I, I think ever since the beginning, I mean. When he announced that he had purchased Ring of Honor and Ring of Honor became All Elite, that was just one of his biggest surprises right there. And Tony Khan, you know, he's basically made a he made basically a career out of you know giving the out of giving fans major surprises and, you know, with AEW. But again, I deeply apologize for my severe allergies, but here I am. But Samoa Joe winning, and especially again, I don't know what's more surprising: the way the match ended or the fact that Samoa Joe won, but. I think the, the the ending of the match, you know, definitely amazing because it, it went in a way that nobody surprised, that nobody expected, and the way it went, I mean, it's just like you you just tell yourself, oh my goodness, what the heck did I just see? Like, did I just see that? Did I just see that? Was I not dreaming? I mean, the finish has an influential impact on us. Okay, I mean, you you, you can't deny it. <laughs> Just out of, you know, Samoa Joe locks in his submission on, on Powerhouse Hobbs, who had been powerbombed, I think, at like four times at that point. And, and that's it. I mean, just like that. I mean, the referee ends, ends it just like that because Powerhouse Hobbs probably was, you know, all, all the powerbombs he took, you know. And Samoa Joe, just like that. Man. But as far as Wardlow goes and Powerhouse Hobbs go, I don't know where they go moving forward. Part of me believes that the whole thing between those three, it, we, we, it's probably just getting started. I wouldn't be surprised if those three continue to battle it out. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, could you imagine in the future, like, you know, uh, within the next couple of weeks or so on, on AEW Dynamite, there's another three-way match, and this time both titles are on the line? I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, that would actually be cool. Some, I mean, think about it. Samoa Joe. Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs, a three-way match for both the AEW TNT Championship and the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. I mean, that's that right there is exciting. That's definitely, I mean, with, with those three uh, brilliant talents, that's definitely a match I would love to tune in and see. But, but again, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how things go moving forward with AEW programming. But, but my gut feeling tells me that we have not seen the end of Samoa Joe and Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs. Like, we've, we haven't seen anything out of that yet, but... Now, the no-disqualification tag team match. Sting and Darby Allin against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal with Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh. Well, well, well. You know, the whole thing with Darby Allin and Sting, I've loved this whole particular thing since the very beginning. Okay, and seeing Sting still wrestle the way he does at this age, there's a saying, ladies and gentlemen, and that is, you are never, ever too old to kick butt, and Sting has been the perfect example of that. Sting, at 63 years old, yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard me, 63 years old, he is still Kicking serious butt in the professional wrestling ring. When we thought that he had retired in 2016 because of that neck injury in that match against Seth Rollins. Oh boy. And seeing that he, he was clear to come back and he was wrestling and having great matches with All Elite Wrestling. Oh my god. Seeing Sting just still wrestle so good, you know, still being just amazing as he has ever always has been in in, the, in this ring, it's a blessing, y'all. I mean, for me, the, the I get to watch Sting wrestle so very good as an adult. The fact that I could not see it as a kid because I was not a WCW guy when I was a little kid, you know, I saw I saw a lot of the work he did for Impact Wrestling, of course, but. 
But man, you know, still at this age, you know, and Sting, you know, again, his career started back in 1985 and he's still going strong, you know, nearly 38, 38 years in the business and still going strong at 63 years old. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm so dumbfounded. But again, there's, you're never too old to kick butt and, you know, but I'm, but I'm telling you, Sting at, at his age, still taking those bombs. Still working well in the ring. Maybe I guess you could say for Sting, age is just simply a number. But this match within itself, I'm telling you, when when Darby Allen went for that drop off that ladder, he was caught by uh, Satnam Singh and then thrown right onto that ramp. And seeing, oh, I mean that that went there was cool. But then seeing Darby Allen take that guitar shot to the back when he was jumped off the rope. Oh my God. I mean the finish of that match too. You know when uh, that that Sting death drop. You know when uh, when I mean, see right now I, I've lost my words because the way this match went when Jay Lethal you know does that particular move and gets gets caught in the Scorpion death gets gets caught in the Scorpion in the backward DDT. Oh boy. You know Sting and Jeff Jarrett. I mean you know a, a rematch. You know twenty two years in the making, right? But man, I'm telling you, I'm sorry, y'all. See, right now, I can't even speak because of the goosebumps right now on my arm from this match. That's the story. That's the story within itself right there, ladies and gentlemen. The Sting and Darby Allen match with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Oh, and the fact that the match went 11 minutes, man. You know, the fact, it, it was so entertaining, you know, I also feel like, you know, I didn't even feel like, you know, it ended, it ended too quick because it kind of felt like the battle went on forever, but, oh, you know, remember that thing at the beginning, that little joke they put, they put that bag on the ramp, you know, right like that, and then, and it's, you know, and then Darby Allen makes his entrance, and then Sting pops up in the ring, you know, after Jeff Jarrett, oh boy, oh boy. You know, and the fact that Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett had all these, like, phony stings around, ugh. <laughs> you know, no disqualification. And the fact, you know, how when, you know, how they have to take out Satnam Singh, you know, out of the match as well. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I mean, right now, I would do almost any, you know, I would love to have the opportunity just to sit down and watch that match one more time because Sting and Darby Allen versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. If you watched it, you know, you would be basically just as as much as a philosopher words as I am right now. You know, the fact that I don't want to go, you know, fully. I mean, the fact that I've gone detail by detail most matches, but in this one I just can't because I just strongly encourage everybody to watch this pay-per-view in this particular match. Sting and Darby Allen versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Man. Man, oh man, oh man. What a freaking match. <laughs> oh. See, right now, you know, again, you know, I, I can go out and gloat about Sting all I want, but, you know, the fact that I was able to, you know, I, I've already seen a lot, a lot of good matches from Sting, you know, as an adult, but Sting in this one right here, in a ta and I know this qualification tag team match and being an adult and you know, knowing who Sting is and how popular and important he is in the pro wrestling business. Oh, God. I mean, one day I, j I just want to meet, you know, Sting, shake his hand and say, that match you did with Darby Allen and with, with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Man, oh man, oh man, that was awesome. That was awesome. So, props to Sting, props to Darby Allen, props to Jeff Jarrett, props to Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dut, Satnam Singh, all those guys. They did. They all did it together, and I am so grateful. I mean, I'm just grateful for every you know for all the talents that that worked on this show, man. I'm telling you, grateful to Khan, everybody. And but speaking of being grateful, Jamie Hayter becoming the new interim AEW Women's World Champion. To be honest, guys, I was crying. You guys know my story about Jamie Hayter. How I have I, I've, I admire her. I've watched, I've studied her work on the British independent circuit, her work in Japan. Jamie Hayter. An absolutely unique and amazing talent. Okay? I knew that one way that one day, one way or the other, Jamie Hayter was gonna become world champion. Okay. 
Did I expect it to be this night? No, not particularly, because I said, because I, because I, like I said, I said this on the show. If Jamie Hayter breaks away as a single star, if she's no longer involved with, uh, with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Rebel, then definitely that's the, they're probably going to think of putting the belt on her. So I was, I mean, so as happy and blessed as I was that Jamie Hayter, a female professional wrestler that I have true admiration for, be, finally becoming the champion. Of course, we have to mention interim, but still, Jamie Hayter is is a champion in my book. No matter what, she's a champion in my book. I appreciate everything Jamie Hayter has done. I'm a huge fan of hers. And if by any chance, if I could ever have her on this show, that would be one of my biggest accomplishments, not only from a journalist perspective, but from a personal point, but personal perspective as well. Jamie Hayter, God bless her. Anyway, and God bless Tony Storm as well. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Anyway, but I'm telling you, all the close calls, you know, Tony Storm, you know, kicking out, Jamie Hayter kicking out. I mean, at first, you know, when Rebel, you know, inter- attempted to interfere and she got disqualified, and then all out of nowhere, you know, Tony Storm gets attacked by, you know, a hooded figure that turned out to be Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. At first, you know, you know when she got curb stomped right on the title outside, and then. Got pulled, pushed, put back in the ring. Jamie Hayter went for the cover, but Tony Storm kicked out. Man. But, you know, I could talk about the match, basically. But right now, honestly, is where does this storyline go from here? Because recently, I think earlier, like this week, there was reports that Thunder Rosa could officially be stripped of the AEW Women's World Championship because... Uh, because the back, the back is she hasn't still haven't fully recovered from that back injury to as to where what she had to basically be off of television in the first place. Because if you remember correctly, I said on this show that the whole storyline between Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa over the title it needs to be finished. Okay, and I, and this this was my prediction was I said this that Thunder Rosa is gonna come back. She's gonna have the match versus Tony Storm to uh, crown the official undisputed women's world champion. But, you know, I, I would imagine that definitely had to be part of the plans. But, be, but because uh, Thunder Rosa still has not recovered from her back injury, part of me believes that Tony Khan decided to uh, decided to make a change in the plans. I mean, sometimes in the, in, the, in the world of professional wrestling, you have to scrap plans and make changes. You have to improvise, basically. I mean, that's one of the biggest things right there. You have to improvise. So... <sighs> So right now, I mean, there's still no official word on Thunder Rosa. I mean, honestly, could you, you know, I'll be honest. At first, the hooded figure, I thought that was Thunder. To be honest, I thought that was Thunder Rosa, honestly. But, but then, you know, I saw, when I saw that, you know, that move, okay, well, okay, I'll be honest. Maybe I said to myself this, it would not be surprising if Thunder Rosa interfered and cost Tony Storm the title, okay? But, you know, the hooded figure... I'll be honest, I, I probably just slipped it out and said that I, I thought at first it was Thunder Rosa, but, you know, when we saw that move, we all knew that it was Jamie Hayter. No, we all knew it was Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. <coughs> but, you know, but right now, moving forward, so the whole thing with Thunder Rosa moving forward is, I I have no idea w- w- what could possibly happen out of that, but the whole thing with the Undisputed Women's World, AW Women's World Championship, it's not going to happen between Storm and Thunder Rosa. But I, I'd imagine. Uh, but right now, you know, as far as far as Jamie Hader goes, you know, the fact that Jamie Hader is still paired up with Rebel and Doctor Britt Baker, DMD. You know, I I just never would have expected, you know, for those for those three to still be part of a group, but with Jamie Hader as the champion, so so the whole thing with Jamie Hader, Doctor Britt Baker, and Rebel moving forward, that I don't know, and the whole thing with Tony Storm moving forward, I don't know, so. The future of the of the AEW Women's World Champion right now is basically up in the air. So I mean, whatever happens, happens. We'll have to wait and see how things go moving forward. But but the whole thing right now with Thunder Rosa's injury, because you know, again, you know, she's still the AEW Women's World Champion. I mean, I think she she recently hit two hundred and fifty days as champion. So, but you know, she's been out with a back injury for a while now, and there's still no word on when she's going to come back. But but AEW management and the booking still need to finish the whole thing between Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa. So, you know, and my prediction was they have the they have the match to make to, to see who's the official a uh, in a, in a undisputed AEW Women's World Champion. And my prediction was that Tony Storm was going to win, but Tony Storm was going to turn heel during the match. But 
I guess that's definitely not going to happen. I mean, Tony Storm turning heel in the near future is, is you know, still a possibility, but just not in the particular uh, perspective that I uh, had pictured the situation in. But, but you know, congratulations to Jamie. Very happy for her. Again, I have nothing but respect and admiration for Jamie. Same thing with Dr. Britt Baker. Same thing with Tony Storm. You know, a lot of the female wrestlers in the AEW locker room I admire a lot. And, you know, that's why I always push for AEW booking and creative to, uh, to, to to do better things with that brilliant women's locker room that they have. So so the whole the whole thing with the AW, the interim AEW Women's World Championship thing moving forward, I, uh, you know, I'll have to wait and see. Oh, boy. Man, I'm telling you, what, what a long night it was. A total of 13 matches, and we're at match number 12. The Acclaimed versus Swerve in our glory. Of course, you know... Well, when the Acclaim won the titles, you know, beating Swerve in our glory at the AEW Grand Slam. You know, the whole story, didn't, you know, didn't end right there. And the whole thing with Billy Gunn. You know, Billy Gunn wasn't originally at the corner, but he didn't end up getting involved in the match. But, you know, the Acclaim, that rap at the beginning was certainly very, very, very interesting. Definitely something very cool, very entertaining, very classic. But, you know, in, in the match, you know... <sighs> You know, th- this particular match, you know, kind of told myself, you know, who are the heels? Are the Acclaim still heel or the Sorvin Our Glory still a faces? But we-, we we saw something. Keith Lee turned on Swerve Strickland. But here's the- but-, but for those but for those of you that watch, you know, I think the way Keith I, I don't know if you should-, should we honestly say that Keith Lee turned on Swerve Strickland because look, for those of you that haven't watched and you know what, the <sighs> If you're if you're listening, then I, I, I and you didn't watch, then you and if you've been listening, you know at this point, I, you, you can't say that it's been spoiled because if you've been listening, then you know then you've listened, then you know. But Keith Lee, you know, Surf Strickland had a weapon and tried told Keith Lee to use it on the acclaimed, and, the, and he could have, and they could have recaptured the titles, and I thought that was going to happen. But Keith Lee takes the weapon and throws it and says, "We're not doing it this way," and then Surf Strickland loses it, and then he slaps Keith Lee. With Keith Lee retaliates by just simply walking out and leaving Swerve Strickland to be taken out two on one by the acclaimed. You know, so honestly, I mean, now Swerve and our glory, they were they were faced when they lost the titles, and I thought they would they would turn heel soon, but I'd imagine in this match too, and the acclaimed were heels, but I think the acclaimed is now kind of based on their way to becoming t- faces, and you know, and Keith Lee not being a face, so I'd imagine that. The acclaim and Keith Lee, there's some respect right there. Storyline, you know, of course, you know, real life respect too. But in storyline, Keith Lee, you know, and the acclaim, no, are on good terms. And so I'd imagine at this point, there's going to be a uh, a lengthy feud between Surf Strickland and Keith Lee. So at least that's that's what I've expected. So I'd imagine Swerve in our glory is no more. Basically, the acclaimed, or they'll probably move on to a feud with with another tag team. Of course, you know, the Acclaim, you know, the all-time tag team wins in AEW. So, the Acclaimed are definitely going to move on to another rivalry. I'm not sure who they could honestly feud with. But, I'm sure, you know, maybe maybe FTR. I don't, <laughs> I honestly don't know, but. But, I'm sure there's, a, there's other teams out there that, you know, Tony Khan could throw at them. But, but one thing's for sure is that we know that. It's clearly obvious at this point that there's going to be a long feud between Keith Lee and, Sir, and uh, Swerve Strickland. And it would not surprise me if, if this rivalry you know, went on until March of next year that got settled at the AEW Revolution in San Francisco. So, I mean, do rivalries really go that long? Does it need to be that long? I mean, not particularly, but, but when a major rivalry is taking place... It's best for it to be officially settled at the next official major pay-per-view, and that's the way I kind of see it coming. Strickland and Keith Lee could basically, I, th- I would say, probably on AEW Dynamite. Surf Strickland, I mean, one of those two are gonna, probably going to cut a promo and then whatever. I'd imagine that, Keith, I mean, if, if Keith Lee cuts the promo, then Strickland comes, you know, pops out and attempts to attack him, or Keith Lee explains that he did not want to go down this way. Or if it's Swerve Strickland that cuts the promo and Keith Lee attacks, Swerve will say, you know, if it wasn't for Keith Lee, we'd still be the champions if he hadn't, you know, decided to, whatever. So Swerve Strickland is definitely based on his rate of becoming a big heel and Keith Lee is going to be the face and those two are going to have a lengthy rivalry, so that's the way I see it. But as far as the acclaim goes, I mean, those guys are truly amazing. And 
I really don't know where it goes moving forward. I mean, you know, a, again, AEW is all the element of surprise. And I guess with AEW, just, you know, you always expect the unexpected. But, you know, talking about expecting something that we knew what would happen. I mean, that's what we saw in the main event between Maxwell Jacob Freeman and John Moxley in the, in the match for the AEW world title, which we'll get to in a little bit. But... But the match between the acclaimed and Sorvin our glory. I mean, when when Keith Lee, you know, like that through that barricade, and man, the the, the whole thing just this is this is what I love about these tag team matches. I mean, you know, like oh, see, that, that that that's why really, you know, if even if I try going into detail by detail, you know, I always stop myself because you know I, I can only go so far because you know God knows how many. Uh, you know, because I know that a lot of people that have listened, they didn't watch the show, but they didn't watch, didn't get to catch the show. But, but I'm telling you, the the bottom line out of the thing is, is that that Keith Lee and Swift Strickland, they're they're about to embark on a singles uh, feud. Swerving our glory is basically no more. So, so I got to say about that one. But, but the tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship was, you know, absolutely amazing. You know, nineteen about nearly twenty minutes and. Billy, you know, Billy Gunn didn't, you know, get so get involved, but uh, but man, but Keith Lee refusing to use the weapon and then getting slapped and then swerving our glory, basically just being, you know, throw, you know, basically being flushed down the toilet. Man, oh boy, but now we get to the main event: MJF versus John Moxley, which of course was MJF's casino ladder ladder poker chip cash in. For those of you that saw the match, you saw MJF make that entrance, and if you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and I'm talking about his interaction with a fan, with a female fan. If you saw it, then you know what you saw, all right? You know what you saw, all right? But man, what a main event, and the fact that MJF was being heavily cheered while John Moxley was the one being booed, and the fact that Mo- I mean, oh, and MJF being the heel that he is, but he's being cheered and everything. I mean, even he's even somehow re- interacting with a crowd and everything, and Moxley's like flipping people off and everything. Oh, but the ma- the match within itself, man. This is this is how these eight, this is how these pay per view matches just have to go. When see everybody, everybody had the feeling. We all knew MJF at this point. MJF was going to win. I mean, the whole story, the whole story when he when he cut that massive nuke pipe bomb promo, burying Tony Khan, burying the company, disappearing from AEW for a very very long time. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. MJF worked worked everybody big time. MJF really made that impact. When he cut that I mean after that whole thing with Wardlow, again, you know, burying Tony Khan, burying the company, you know, just shooting on the mic. And it all comes down to this. So we knew MJF was gonna win. But, you know, still moving forward, I mean, anything is going to happen. I mean, I think as far as John Moxley goes, it's quite clear that we're not going to see him for a long time. I mean, everybody's been talking about how, they, you know, that vacation he was supposed to have during the summer, and then he never got it. So I think, yeah, John Moxley is definitely going to disappear. I'd imagine at this point, I'd be surprised if this didn't happen, but John Moxley is definitely going to disappear from AEW programming now. I don't know how long John Moxley is going to be gone. I'd imagine probably anywhere between two and four. Two and four months, minimum. But you know, but but it's, it's clear that you know Moxley is definitely going to be is definitely going to be absent for a while and have you know some time off and take that vacation that everybody you know said he was supposed to have during the summer. You know, so yeah. But you know, with Ren- with Renee, you know, working with Ollie Wrestling, I mean, who knows? But so I'd expect John Moxley to be gone for from AEW programming for a while. But you know, but now that his wife is working with AEW, I mean, who knows? But you know, the biggest thing is is that. You know, a lot of fans talked about it, but William Regal did what we all knew would happen. Because what we all remember when it came to toward the match, MJF reaches reaches into his trunks, pulls out the ring, and prepares to use it. And remember, the referee was inca- incapacitated. Okay, 
But William Regal comes up and then, you know, as if, you know, as if he's telling him, don't even think about it. And then MJF just, you know, throws the ring outside uh, ringside. And then another referee comes out and then he gets knocked out, too. And then M- and then MJF is like, you know, kind of crawling. And then William Regal's right there. And then all of a sudden, William Regal tosses in brass knuckles. MJF uses them, pins John Moxley and boom. I mean, I'm telling you, you should have seen the reaction from all the wrestling fans that were in that auditorium with me. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, classic William Regal with the brass knuckles. I mean, that's the William Regal that we all remember, don't we? Brass knuckles getting involved in the match. MJF uses them, puts them back into his trunks, and that was it. <sighs> I mean, I knew it. I knew that. <coughs> I knew that William Regal was going to use it. Was it? But as far as William Regal goes, you know, you know. Of course, as we know, he with his status right now. Uh, I think now he's basically he's officially MJF's manager, obviously. But but I think I think now moving forward, he the Blackpool Combat Club. I think he's basically. Uh, I I think basically he's no longer part of that. So, again, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure on AEW Dynamite, there's, there's all, honestly, we all know that Mox, that, that um, MJF is going to, you know, be in the ring, have a segment and whatnot, and I'm sure that, you know, William Regal is going to explain why he did what he did. I mean, we all see something like that, but but I think the Blackpool, the, the Blackpool Combat Club, I'd imagine at this point, it's probably no more, I, I, or at least I don't know, or maybe MJF is now the leader of the Blackpool of the Blackpool Combat Club. I mean, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna find out. We are gonna find out. And, and as far as William Regal goes, I mean, he's a heel for the first time since May of two thousand and twelve. So, boy, you know, I love you know that paradigm shift off the top rope, and you know, MJF just you know grabs the rope, you know, from the pin like that, and. You know, I mean, John Moxley was one kind of almost behaving like a heel. I mean, MJF injures his knee and then Moxley targets it. So, you know, honestly, you know, that kind of makes Moxley look kind of look like the heel. But but let's be honest, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, you know, being a babyface, come on. I mean, even though even if the crowd, you know, even reacts posi- positively to him, we all know MJF is still a major heel. He's never going to turn face. I mean, if he does, I'd, I'd be the biggest... I'd be so shocked, and I don't even know if I could, if I could even be mentally capable of doing an episode, at least not by myself, like I'm doing right now. But, but man, but I'm telling you, like you know, I even spoke to David. Uh, yeah, he he even he knew. I mean, same thing with my buddy Ricky Litwinkowicz. We all knew, we all knew that Regal was going to turn heel. We all felt it. I mean, come on, these wrestling us wrestling fans have been paying attention to what's been going on. We all knew that that something was going to happen. But now, in argument's sake, a lot of us feel like maybe it it, it would have been better if MJF w- would have won the title cleanly. In my case, I honestly I think it would have been cooler if he had won cleanly. But but like I said, we all knew that William Regal was going to turn heel. So William Regal, you know, pulling out the breast knuckles, giving them to MJF. MJF uses them and wins the title. That's basically just as amazing as well because again, we had that feeling that it was coming and it finally did happen. And ladies and gentlemen, as a result, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who is better than you and you know it, is your new AEW World Champion. And you can bet that he's going to be champion for a very, very long time. And as far as John Moxley goes, well, we don't. We all know he, that new deal he signed recently, like that, but. I think for now it would no it would not be a surprise if he was absent from AEW programming for a while, but then again his wife now works with the company, so who knows with moving forward. But that doesn't mean that he won't take that vacation that we were all talking about it for a long time. Basically, moving forward with all these storylines moving ahead and what's next for AEW programming, there's a, a lot of it is all up in the air. We don't know what to expect, but again, Tony Khan always seems to have a major surprise for us. And I can't wait to see what things go on moving forward. Well, speaking of a, a couple of announcements, uh, probably should have said this earlier, but I, you know, during the match, you know, it was announced uh, that Konosuke Takeshita is also is now officially all elite. 
You know, Konosuke also currently works for um, Japanese wrestling promotion, DDT Pro Wrestling. He, and now he's with uh, All Elite Wrestling as well. And it was also announced, that, you know, after the Fatal 4-Way, it was announced that, you know, Chris Jericho would be wrestling Tomohiro Ishii, which is somebody that Chris Jericho knows very, very well. You know, Tomohiro Ishii, you know, you know who currently works for uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And as we know, All Elite Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling have had a working relationship for quite a long time. You know, he, he's, he, was also, he also worked for, you know, I think Ishii also worked for Fighting World of Japan Pro Wrestling, where he was like the, he was the company's chairman. But, you know, Tomohiro Ishii, you know, did a research with them, you know, you know, through the working relationship with Ring of Honor, you know, he's, he's actually a former Ring of Honor World Television Champion and a two-time undisputed British heavyweight champion. So, yeah, so Tomohiro Ishii versus Chris Jericho. You know, Chris Jericho said in that promo, in that backstage promo, huh. Well, everything like that. I mean, if you saw that, then you, then you know what he said. So, yeah, Tomohiro Ishii versus uh, Chris Jericho on the Thanksgiving Eve edition of AEW Dynamite is definitely going to be exciting. So, man, you know, it was funny too. Even Orange Cassidy got involved in that little thing, and of course, Chris, Chris Jericho says you still owe me seven thousand dollars for that jacket, <laughs> but. But, you know, it's funny because Orange Cassidy is the one who informed Jericho that Tomohiro Ishii wanted a shot at the title. So, and of course, you know, Chris Jericho accepts the challenge and then kind of enlightens us everybody that Ishii was an up-and-coming wrestler in Japan. And that Chris Jericho said, you know, he would carry out my luggage, do all this and all that. So, Chris Jericho kind of kind of the, the typical hero, uh, the typical uh, heel kind of thing. I said, I don't know if I just said hero, but... But, you know, the fact that, you know, Chris Jericho ended the promo by saying, and I quote, Your senpai is waiting for you, baka. So, man. So, Tomohiro Ishii versus Chris Jericho. Well, that's definitely something exciting, but, uh, I have to wait and see. But, you know, moving forward with the Ring of Honor title, again, everything's up, up, up in the air. That's, you know, that's basically what Tony Khan's kind of put us through. You know, we don't know what to expect, but Tony Khan always finds a way to impact us, whether it's negative or positive. Bottom line is, AEW is all about surprises, as is Tony Khan. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you very, very much for joining me today in recapping All Elite Full Gear. I apologize that I had to do it by myself, and I apologize that, you know, I'm really sick. I, you know, like that, you know, all the sniffing and the coughing I must have done, but... You know, the show had to move on, and you know, I, I already promised everybody I would do a recap, so here I am. But again, I apologize, you know, if the coughing was a bit excessive, you know, I'm really sick, but here I am, and, you know, like that. So, Ringside Chaos is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. And remember, folks, if you know somebody that truly loves professional wrestling and they are looking for the most exciting pro wrestling podcast in the world... And ladies and gentlemen, you know that Ringside Chaos is their choice. Ringside Chaos is the show for all pro wrestling fans that have a, such a great passion and knowledge for the world of professional wrestling. Ringside Chaos is the show for you. Thank you all very, very much, and I will see you all next time.